Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take our Bibles this morning. Please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And I'm going to switch up the message back there so you're aware. Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, I left my prayer requests on my desk, but I want to remember also Donna's not with us this morning. You probably noticed that. She's with her mom. And so let's remember Mrs. McEachern in prayer as well as she continues to battle cancer and the family's taking turns ministering to her needs week by week. And so Donna is up there with her right now. So let's remember them in prayer as well. All right, we'll give you a fuller list tonight at the drive-in service uh, as we gather here in the parking lot. Ephesians chapter 1, um, switching up the message a little bit simply because uh, I'm just overwhelmed this morning with God's grace and, and uh, those songs really spoke to my heart and pricked me a little bit. God is so good to us and uh, we're reminded why God is good to us. In Ephesians chapter 1, over and over again, he gives us different things. But not, not only that, I, I want to be sure that you know the goodness of God. I want, I want to be sure that you know what it means to be saved. And I, I know, listen, we, we talk about it a lot around here. And if you come to church here, you'll know that probably every second Sunday morning, we talk about salvation and being saved because it's the most important thing. Uh, you, can, you can go to heaven and not know all the eschatological, <laughs> eschatological ramifications of Revelation. You may not even know what eschatological means. That's fine. You may not know. You, you might not say, I, I don't know when, what, what the rapture is, or I don't know when Christ is coming again. You might not be able to pinpoint those things with detailed accuracy. And, and you can still go to heaven, but you cannot go to heaven without Jesus Christ as your Savior. There's no way. The thief on the cross didn't know anything of Bible doctrine, yet he knew that he was a sinner. He deserved the condemnation he was facing. And he knew that Jesus Christ was a righteous man whose blood was being shed for others. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He trusted in Christ that day. And so it is the most important thing. It's the most important message that we will ever share with you. And you must share with a lost and dying world. I believe we're living in the last days. The Bible teaches us we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years, as a matter of fact. Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said this was prophesied by the prophet Joel that this would take place in the last days. I don't think we're living in the last days. I think we're living in the latter days, which means the very last of the last days. The Bible talks about the latter days that perilous times shall come. We are living in those days, and I believe that Christ could come at any time, and it is our responsibility as born-again believers to make sure we are sharing the message of Christ. Tonight, you're going to hear a testimony from Pastor Paul of a gentleman or a lady and their daughter that they led to the Lord Jesus Christ this week. We're thrilled to hear about many being saved, and so we pray that you would come tonight and be a part of that service and hear the testimony of another soul trusting Jesus Christ. But my question for you is, have you? I hope that in Ephesians 1, we learned this morning both our, for the believer that we are reminded of why God is good. I think we all have our own testimonies. We could all stand up today and say, this is why I believe God is good and give very personal, intimate details of what God has done in our lives individually. But as a church, we must also know the doctrinal reasons God is good. The things that God has done for us, even those things that we don't consider on a daily basis, and yet Ephesians chapter 1 is just ripe with doctrine and telling us what God did for us. And so let's look together in Ephesians chapter 1, let us pray together first, and we're going to work our way through this passage. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, 
I'm telling you, we sang that complete in thee, and it busted me up when we got to the, your blood uh, has bought for me, has my pardon bought for me. Your blood, my pardon has bought for me. Think about that. We don't deserve that. That's why it's called grace, but it's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's no other way. You, you are trusting in something to get you heaven that is a folly. Listen, listen. The devil, the devil is the king of counterfeits. Let me say that again. You may not get anything else out of this message today, but let me, let me drill this home. The king, uh, the devil is the king of counterfeits. That means we need to weigh everything by the word of God. If, if you hear something and it sounds good, maybe it's not true. Unless it can be found and verified by the very word of God that I hold in my hand today. The, the devil will try to convince you that you are good enough to go to heaven. The devil will try to convince you that by going to church you will go to heaven. The devil will tell you that some creed or religion will get you to heaven. That's a counterfeit. That is fake. That is phony. That is a lie from the pits of hell. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man can come to the Father but through him. We must come through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so let's look this morning at Ephesians chapter 1. Let us pray together, and then we'll work our way through the scriptures. Our Father, we love you, and we thank you and praise you for salvation today. Thank you for the wonderful gift of, of knowing not just that we are saved, but that we are pardoned. We are set free from the bondage of sin. Lord, I know that I fail. I know like a dog returned again to his vomit, I, I go back to things once in a while in my heart and my mind and in deed and in action, and I'm sure every one of us could testify to the same. But Lord, this we know today, that if we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, that blood is sufficient to pay the price, not only for our past sins, but for our future sins as well. That we can come to you and find you faithful to forgive us and cleanse us of our sin and all unrighteousness. That we can know that you chasten us as a child rather than condemn us as a sinner. Father, what a wonderful thing to fall into the hands of a merciful and gracious God. Oh God, you've pricked my heart today and I pray that it would come out in the word of God now that the message of salvation so clear and plain and Lord, remain, remind the believer of these wonderful things that you've done for us. Father, we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus. The other day I was driving in my car and I was with Tanner and uh, we, we had to run over to Branford and back and, and, uh, for some business things. And so Tanner went along with me for the ride. And we came across St. James Street. And I, I was just teasing. And I said, Tanner, is there a St. Tanner Street anywhere I need to know about? And uh, he said, I don't think so. And I said, wow, it's possible you're a saint, right? He says, no. And I said, the Bible says if you're a child of God, you're a saint. To me alone, that fact is overwhelming. Paul did not write to the church as St. Paul. He wrote to the saints at Ephesus. 
understand the standing that we have in Christ Jesus and what the Father thinks of us the moment we put our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Not because we are worthy or not because we are good enough, not because we are religious enough, but because we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and he chooses to cover us with his blood. And when God looks upon us, he does not see a bunch of broken sinners gathering together, striving to honor God, but instead he sees the saints of the church of God. He says to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You can stop right there and ask yourself this question. Why does Paul call him blessed? Why does Paul attribute to God the Father this blessed uh, compliment or this uh, praise or this glorification? Why does he say, blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ? Because he says this next, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I believe with all my heart when the Bible says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I believe with all my heart that within Jesus Christ, we can be blessed beyond all measure and God takes care of a lot of our material goods. But listen, the greatest blessing we'll ever know from knowing God and knowing his son, Jesus Christ, is what it says right here in verse 3, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There are a lot of people today that if we were to go around the world, you will find that they have absolutely nothing. That they are just blessed to be alive and to know Christ Jesus. I've been to Africa and I've seen the poverty that people live with. I've been down into the jungles of Accra, outside of Accra, Ghana, and, and gone down to the little village church where they just have stones three feet high and bamboo shoots coming up out of those stones and a thatched roof that they've made themselves. And I've heard them sing the praises of their God for an hour and they have nothing, no food, no home. They live in the jungle. And yet they've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You see, sometimes our focus is way too temporal. We look at the things that are in our hands and the things that we have. We worry and we fret about money. And I understand that the society we live in today requires money to take care of your home and to take care of food for your family. And I'm not against those things. The Bible very plainly says, render under Caesar that which is Caesar's. In other words, Christ is acknowledging we live in a society that deals with finances and economy and money. I, I get that. But our greatest blessings are not here on this earth. Our greatest blessings are spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. If you were to be honest with yourself and ask yourself some questions this morning, what is the very greatest blessing in my life? You would have to probably say salvation. Salvation is the greatest blessing of our lives. That is rooted in the heart of God and in the mind of Jesus Christ. You, if you were to ask yourself, who is, the, who is the greatest blessing in my life? The answer, of course, would be Jesus Christ, who shed his blood on the cross to pay the price for your salvation. 
If you were to ask yourself, where does my future lie? It lies in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We look forward to a heavenly home. We look forward to the presence of Christ for all eternity. So our greatest blessings in this life are spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now notice this as we, we're looking to the future about these blessings and these things that are taking place daily. But look what happened in the past in verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now be careful. Ephesians chapter 1 has been long used by those who are hyper-Calvinists. They would like you to think that God has ordained some to go to heaven and condemned some to hell before they ever had the choice or, or, or the ability to choose. They don't believe in the free will of man. Now, I understand there are some in varying degrees of that. I'm talking about the extreme. I'm talking about the hyper-Calvinist, and I don't want to paint everybody with the same brush. But I want you to notice what the Bible says. There is something about being chosen, but notice what it says, in him. Everybody that comes to the Lord Jesus Christ by their own free will is chosen. Not because of their merit. Not because of their personal goodness, but simply because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because we are in him, in the chosen one, we are part of the beloved because we are in Christ. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you today, friend, are you in Christ? Are you in him? You can be part of the elect and part of the chosen if you will get into the chosen one who is Jesus Christ. See, it's not about God choosing you before you were born. No, no, he chose his son, Jesus Christ. He is the chosen one. And if we can be in Christ, we too will be chosen. It says he was chosen before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame, before him in love. It's kind of like putting on a costume. The world does not, or God does not, see who we really are, because now we are in Christ. Oh, sometimes that old flesh shows itself. Sometimes we sin. Sometimes we fail. But praise God, one day we'll stand before God, the King of Kings, and Lord of Lords, and he will see only his son. We are covered in the blood of Christ. So when we are in him, it says that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Verse 5, having predestinated us under the adoption of children. Predestinated is another word that causes confusion. Let me just say this, it just means God has a plan. God has a plan for your life. If you have been chosen in him, if you are part of the chosen one, or if you have been accepted in the beloved, Jesus Christ is the beloved one. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If we have been accepted in him, then God has a plan for our lives. We have been predestinated under the adoption of children. All those that have trusted Christ and all those that have been born again, all those that have come by faith to the foot of the cross and put their faith in Jesus Christ, those he has predestinated that you'll be adopted as children uh, by God himself 
through Jesus Christ. He is our intercessor, our intermediary. He is the one that pleads our case and brings us into the family of God. You know, the Bible talks about being predestinated in another way. Romans chapter 8, it says, Whom he did foreknow, them he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of the Son. In other words, God has a plan for your life that you might look like Jesus. And why not? Because when he saves us, we are joint heirs with Christ. We are his brothers. We are his sisters. And the Bible says we, uh, he has predestinated us to be adopted. That means we're all part of a family. There ought to be some resemblance. What blessings God has given us through Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 5. I really like this. You say... This bloody salvation you talk about is such a horrible thing. We were talking a couple of weeks ago about the hymns, giving you some background and history you might remember. One of the songs was, There is a fountain filled with blood. And even when that song came out in the 1780s, they tried to change the words. Instead of, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's vein, they, they came up with something from Calvary's cross, a fountain flowed. They didn't want to use the word blood, it was offensive. But as hymn books began to come out in the 1820s and those new words went in there, people rebelled and they said, We don't want that. Tell us about the blood. Tell us what it cost to save my soul. And we think often about the blood of Christ and maybe even born-again believers will come to Bethel Baptist Church and sit and say, I wonder why the preacher talks so much about the blood. I, I wish we didn't have to hear about the blood so much. Uh, friends, let me tell you this. The Bible says, having predestinated us on the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Listen to those next phrase in verse 5. According to the good pleasure of his will, God delighted. God delighted in saving you even though it meant the blood of his son. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Do you realize that when Christ saved you, much praise was attributed to the glory of his grace? Salvation is a bloody thing the Bible says for the wages of sin is death there's no doubt and verse 7 says in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence having made known unto us the mystery of his will, and there it is again, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. You say, why are you still reading? It's still one sentence. That we should be to the praise of his glory, 
who first trusted in Christ. The sentence starts all the way back in verse 7 and goes through verse 12. And look at the richness of the doctrine in these few verses. Why are we giving praise to the glory of his grace? You know, grace that is shown is literally unmerited favor, something we do not deserve. And there is often we are blessed with those things. I, I just heard uh, Brother Kevin was telling me that uh, his wife went through a drive through and somebody prepaid for her coffee. Didn't know her, didn't know who it was, just prayed for her, paid for her coffee. You've all experienced things like that from time to time. You've gone places and, and God has blessed you and, and helped you in some way and, and shown his favor upon you and your grace upon you. But friends, none of those things will ever compare to the blood that he shed. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Why? Because it's necessary for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the, here's the truth. Here's the facts. We're all lost. We're all sinners. The Bible says more than that. It says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. Ephesians chapter 2, the apostle talks about that in verse 1. Just turn a page with me for a moment. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. The ensemble just sang living hope. One of my favorite lines in that song is the very, in the very last verse. It says, your buried body began to breathe. Your buried body began to breathe. But here's the truth. The day I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, something came alive in me as well. He quickened my spirit, that which was dead because of sin, that which was suffering from condemnation. Because I had rejected Jesus Christ the moment I accepted Christ by faith, the one who shed his blood for my sins, the one who shed his blood that I might have the forgiveness of sins, the one who shed his blood that I might have the redemption of sin. The one who did all that breathed life into me. And not just life, it's eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God has been so good to us. And let me just read through the last few verses and make some concluding thoughts. The Bible says in verse 7, look there again, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Here's something to be thankful for. The forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. We sang earlier, complete in thee, your blood hath pardon bought for me. You know, I, I, I'll have to take some time and, and, and go and dig out pardon in the Bible. I, I, I know it's there, it's in Romans, it's in several places, 1 Corinthians, about our pardon in Christ Jesus. I preached on it probably three or four months ago. Here's the thing, forgiveness is one thing, pardon is another Forgiveness is to not charge it to your account any longer. In other words, if Kelvin, Brother Kelvin, sins against me and I say, I forgive you, that means I'm not going to hold him against him any longer. If we pass each other in the hallway, I'm not going to treat him any different than I normally would. 
I'm I'm not going to uh, cut off fellowship because I have forgiven him. We will still be restored and go back to those things that we did before. But sometimes in our memory, we still remember, we still recall. And we still put up a shield that says, I'm not going to let that happen again. Pardon means it's expunged from your record. It's gone completely. It's a step beyond forgiveness. It's been washed out of the book by the blood of Jesus Christ. He has forgiven us. He has pardoned us. Notice what it says in in verse 7. He has redeemed us in whom we have redemption. That means you were a slave to sin. You were held in sin's chains and in sin's prison. But Jesus Christ came and redeemed you because he paid the price. Oh, you were wasting away with a life sentence and it certainly would end in death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death and sin, when it has its end, is death. And we know that we are on death row. We're not just in some prison that we will find parole or or freedom from apart from Jesus Christ, but we are destined to death. But Jesus Christ paid the price. And so we're redeemed. We're set free. There's no paperwork to be done. There's no parole board to go before. There's no lawyers that need to be hired because Jesus Christ is our advocate and he stands before the Father and he pleads the case that his blood is sufficient and he redeemed us. In whom we have redemption through his blood, he forgave us of our sins, he has pardoned us according to the riches of his grace. Now look at this, verse eight. He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Abounded, I think, of abundant life. Look at all that he has given us. He has made known unto us the mystery of his will. In other words, this is what I always wanted to accomplish in your life. This is the mystery of the Old Testament revealed in the new. Christ in us, the hope of glory. According to his own good pleasure. Could I encourage you to do something? Take a pen and underline His good pleasure every time you see it in the scriptures. Three times, I believe, it appears in Ephesians chapter 1. What a wonderful thing to know that God did all these things because he loves us and he delights in us. That in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together. And here's the end game. He wants us all to be one. One day, the trumpet will sound. The graves will burst open wide. And the dead shall be caught up. To meet him in the air. Then we which are alive and remain shall also be caught up with them to meet the Lord, and forever we will be with the Lord. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Listen, friends, do you know Christ? I want to say this I believe we are much closer to the return of Christ than we are the death of Christ. You see what do you mean by that? The death of Christ, we are now almost 2,000 years removed from. But I believe that Christ could return today. It's so important that we're ready. Do you know Jesus? If you're saved today, if you're ready, would you take some time and rejoice? Would you praise him for his goodness and some of the things that we've read this morning and sang about and heard? I, I went and sat with my wife during the last song, and I said, I just feel overwhelmed this morning with God's goodness. God is good, and you can know his goodness if you'll trust him today. I would dare say that there's a lot of people watching that are believers, that know Christ, 
that really are only just touching the surface of his goodness. You say, how do you know that? Because I've gone through seasons of life like that too. I've gone through times where I'm not walking like I should and I'm not experienced the fullness of his blessings and benefits in my life. But let me tell you, when you walk with God, if you know him today, he will bless you with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. Why do we live for less when we can have Christ and all that he offers? Bow your heads and close your eyes where you are. Brother Daniel's going to come to the piano this morning. Can I encourage the believers today to give thanks and praise? Maybe there's some today that need to make a decision and say, I, I don't want to wander around in the wilderness like those Israelites did for 40 years. I want the blessings of Canaan. I want the land that floweth with milk and honey. I want the very presence of God in my life, and I want to know his blessings. Would you pray and ask God for that? It's going to take some effort, too. Listen, salvation is God doing everything and you just believing. But your walk with God takes a daily dying to self. It takes you coming to the cross of Calvary in a daily way and taking his cross upon you. It takes a daily renewing and refreshing. The Bible talks about his mercies being new each morning. It's because we need them each morning. But great is his faithfulness. And so let me challenge you today to experience and know the full blessings of walking with Christ. But maybe there's one that says, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not one of those saints that it says in verse 1. I'm not sure I know Christ. We want to help you. There's a number on your screen you can call or text us. You can go onto our website, BethelBaptistSimco.ca. You can find emails for all of our staff. We would be thrilled if we could take a phone call, if we could visit you, if we could help you in some way. Come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We'll show you what the Bible says about eternal life. Not some opinion, not some literature, not some creed, not some church covenant. We'll take a Bible and show you what God's holy word says about knowing Christ and having eternal life through him alone. Listen, don't wait another day. Do you know him? There's, there's no other way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians 1 makes it very clear. God has a plan for your life, but that plan is in Jesus Christ. We are complete in thee as we sang. We, we are uh, predestined in the Son, in him. It's in him that all fullness of the Godhead bodily dwells. It's all about Jesus. If you don't know him today, you are lost and on your way to hell, a Christless eternity. But Jesus already paid the price. You must trust him today.